This is an eavesdropping conversation. I'm Juliet Fraser, and today I'm talking to Rehab Azar. Welcome, Rehab. It's so nice to see you. Hi, Juliet. Nice to see you too. Where are you at the moment? I'm in London. I live in you? East London. Oh, not so far from me. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, okay, I I don't know very much about the oud, I have to confess. So can you introduce us to your instrument and tell us a bit about it? Of course. So visually speaking, it's a pear-shaped string instrument. It's fretless and we play it with a plectrum. Uh, and it's basically the predecessor of the European lute and everything else that came after that oh. had the same concept. I thought I'd play the listeners a few notes to have a sound idea as well. <laughs> so. Great. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> And I gather it was your father that made your first oud, is that true? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I was very lucky to be born in an extremely musical family. Uh, both my parents are very passionate about music. And I think uh, it was very lucky that they didn't take it as a career. They were both uh, civil engineers and they did music for pleasure. Oh. And I think that uh, provided me with an very gentle introduction of how music can be integrated so fully in one's life and still not be a stressful career. <laughs> so uh, my dad took the decision to be a full-time uh, luthier uh, by the time I think I was six and he started making oats. He played so many instruments that was the main one. Uh, so he started making odes uh, and at some stage, I really don't have any recollection of how we came to decide that I'm going to learn that wood. I just really found a small, wonderful wood in my lap and then I just started <laughs> playing. Uh, just a few words also about my mom. Uh, she also played that wood and my father was actually the person to teach her years oh. before they got together. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's a very personal thing in our family. Uh, and she has a beautiful voice. She sings as well. Uh, so, yeah, my dad started teaching me. It was mainly uh, uh, learning by ear at the beginning. And his workshop, by the way, was in the house. We had a courtyard house. So one of the rooms was his workshop. So, so you were I, really I, living amongst these instruments. and Absolutely. Yeah, I, I got to see every stage of it and be with the smell, with the sound, with the music that was always playing, the cassettes that he had. Arabic music, uh, the classical Arabic music was a huge part of our everyday life. So that kind of was my uh, initial background. And where are we? In, in If we're imagining your childhood, where were you? Uh, it's in Homs. Mm. Uh, it's not a very big city. It's somewhere in the middle middle more towards the west yeah later on uh, we focused a little bit about, uh, on notation and then I did some uh, self-teaching to learn more complicated shapes rhythmic and stuff and then by the time I uh, 
finished my GCSEs. I was planning to go to university to become a pharmacist. And then I dropped out in year four. And then I decided, <laughs> no, I can't do this. I'm destined to learn music. So I studied at the Conservatoire of Damascus. Yeah, I recognize that feeling. I tried also to change direction. Uh-huh, what were you it, doing? Um, well, I started studying studying music at university. I'd been like you, a musician since I was a tiny person and um, then decided, no, no, I, I need to do something else. So I, I changed to study history of art and I thought I would go sideways a bit into a different creative thing. And then <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't leave it. Inevitably, I came back to music. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about um, the music making that you're doing these days and what what excites you? What's energizing you musically? Yeah, well, uh, there are a few things in the diary to look forward to. And Good. I have them on paper, so I don't forget. <laughs> the first one of them is singing with the nightingales with Sam Lee. So we're going to be improvising in the woods with nightingales in May. Fantastic. Uh, I'm also involved in the development of a theater play. And I'm also working with two uh, wonderful artists. One of them is a textile artist. One of them is a storyteller. We're going to do a multidisciplinary thing for Liverpool Art Festival. And there is a composition thing that I'm going to be doing for uh, Serge Orchestra in Birmingham. Uh-huh. And I am also looking forward to performing with the Theatre of Voices and Still Antico vocal ensembles. It's just an amazing range of yeah. music making that you do. Yeah, I think in answer to your question, that's the most exciting thing. When uh, my part is integrated within a much richer context. Yeah. Mm. So it's actually the... Um, the diversity that keeps you excited or do you mean also that you're one part in a within a project you're one part of a much bigger ecosystem the the, the interdisciplinary of things yeah. and also for example with the theater play uh, the the wider set of skills and understanding that i'm invited to bring into the table because yes. uh, i think all of us as musicians uh, we don't get involved enough beyond the music, but when we do, I think what we can do is amazing. So I feel very privileged to be able to be involved musically, but also philosophically, stylistically, in, in wider ways. Is that something that's come recently or would you say that you've had the opportunity to, to share more broad skills for a long time? That's a very nice question. I've always been very nosy about the things <laughs> that I come to touch with. So yeah. I always blurt out opinions about things and ideas <laughs> and suggestions. But I think since my arrival here in the UK, it has uh, come to solidify a bit more and be something that I'm invited to do rather than do voluntarily. Yes, which, is, which feels really great. It feels very rewarding to finally yeah. be recognized as someone who can bring much more. On this topic of 
bringing more to things. I read that you were the first female Udis to perform with the Syrian National Orchestra for Arabic Music, and also mm -hmm. that you played in the Syrian Female Oriental Takht for nine years. Mm -hmm. Did it feel at the time that you were smashing the glass ceiling, that you were doing something for the future generations of women? Well, first of all, I think <laughs> as a general statement, the very thing of being a woman in life, whatever we're doing, is a glass ceiling smashing experience. <laughs> whatever we try to do, because I don't think the world is structured to facilitate a smooth female experience. Yeah. So just let, let's get that out of the way early on. <laughs> so, we're, so we're all busy smashing glass ceilings every day as women. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's how I feel anyway. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so in terms of the female-oriented band, I wasn't one of the pioneers who came up with the idea. I hopped on board uh, three years after they started it. And part of the things that, that era uh, was just being in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. uh, their uh, original wood player had to leave to continue studying in France and uh, they heard about me from the conservatoire, so they asked me to join. Uh, and I think I thought there's something I wanted to tell you about this point. In general, because of how the world is structured, I don't think uh, things in life are designed to integrate women's presence. So I think what so many women end up doing is forming their own structures and I think that's what the musicians in the band uh, did. Yeah. I think that's why, because of lack of integration of women in other bands. Yes. Yeah. About the playing with the orchestra, um, where there, there weren't many old purely instrumentalist women. Uh, I think in Syria and generally in older times in the Arab world, if you're a woman who plays Daoud, it's mostly something you use uh, to sing along. Yeah. I think I was one of the first women to dedicate themselves fully to Daoud as a solo instrument. And I think by the time I was in year four or five at the conservatoire, I had a new teacher uh, who very much believed in discipline. And as a very dedicated student, that discipline showed clearly in my exams and my commitment to the outcome we have in mind. And I think he appreciated that and wanted to show it to the world. Look, here's what we were doing. Yeah. I'm interested in this idea that women create the the things that they're missing mm -hmm. in fact do you think do you worry about the segregation that can come through that or do you think it's something that we pass through as a transition period that then leads to something that is more integrated between between the genders yeah. I think it's an inevitable phase to create yeah. our own uh, spaces and then uh, I expect maybe there will be a reversal process where we invite men, if we yes. want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Being a collaborative musician, um, lots of things come to play 
uh, I think part of the history of the difficulty of integrating women is men, I think, form casual, quick bonds much quicker than we do. So they find it easier to work with each other. Because I think women have different kinds of standards for personal relationships and um, musical relationships. Hmm. It's really interesting talking to you about this. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk more whenever you want. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm enjoying it a lot. When I go quiet, it's because my brain is going tick, 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 tick. Um, when we first spoke about what you might perform for eavesdropping, you commented that there really wasn't much repertoire written for the Ud by female composers. Mm. And so we decided to commission one for you from Yay. Lucy Treacher. Um, what was the process working with Lucy? How did that unfold? Well, um, first of all, I want to say how happy I am to have come across Lucy's work. Uh, it happened very organically through uh, composers I worked with last year. And I was asking him, do you know any exciting women composers? And he mentioned Lucy. And I had a look at her work and I instantly clicked with it because yeah. I sense so much uh, purity, uh, playfulness, uh, originality in her work. And it, it excited me immediately, uh, especially as someone who's hoping to hear something else from the instrument, uh, something different from what I've come to play. Yes. And I thought Lucy would be the perfect person to do that. And, and so we met, uh, I played uh, for her a little bit on the oud. Uh, I told her a little bit, I showed her some of the techniques I use, some of the possible tuning that we can implement. We also talked briefly about makans and the modality of the things I've played, uh, about my preferences for what I'm hoping for the piece to feel like. Yeah. And um, yeah, so immediately after uh, she presented me with the first draft. I fell in love with the piece. I <laughs> loved it from draft one. It was amazing, very exciting. Uh, yeah, we had to do a few tweaks and I'm still practicing. It's a technically challenging piece. <laughs> I'm still practicing. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so has it, has it given you this combination of... Um surprise perhaps taking taking you into new sound worlds with your instrument because you, you said you wanted to you wanted to be a bit surprised you wanted to find something new in the instrument through the new yeah, piece absolutely it it feels like she was able to understand exactly what i wanted the piece to be like mm. although our conversation wasn't that long but i think she's a very intelligent person oh that's magic i'm very happy to hear that <laughs> thank you so much juliet it's oh. all because of you no, no. And I didn't know this is eavesdropping first commission ever. It is. It's a big That's moment amazing. for us. Yeah. And actually, it wasn't. It wasn't really an idea that I had at the beginning, and mm. it was really because of this conversation that you and I had. Mm. And I thought, well, let's let's change it. This is the perfect moment to That's amazing to commission a little piece. So I'm. Thank I'm, you so much. It's my pleasure. I'm really. I'm really happy about it. <laughs> Can you give us any hints about the rest of the program without giving too much away? Because we like an element of surprise. Well, I thought I might start with presenting some of the 
Arabic background. Yeah. And that I have. Uh, so that won't be a piece of mine, but I'll be performing a piece from the classical repertoire. Yeah. And then I'm going to start with my new music, yes. <laughs> which is a very big step for me because I've, I've not performed the stuff I've written in a concert before. This is music that you're writing. It's not just any old new music. It's, it's no, no, your no. music. It is my music. Well, that's exciting. For the very first time. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So we actually have a, a collection of premieres, in fact, on your program. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's well. That's just what eavesdropping is about. But I think we're gonna gonna have a real treat from your set. Yeah. Thank you. And I just wanted to say for the listeners uh, that your concept of what eavesdropping is about was the reason that I decided to push myself and collect and finish the stuff I've been working on and present them in a set because I really wanted to meet the prospect of the festival so thank you for creating the space to push other women oh well I don't know <laughs> what to say that's I'm <laughs> I'm delighted thank you. <laughs> I'm really excited to hear what what you have to share with us we have um yeah, and I'm also really happy. I've I said this when I chatted with Lucy also, but I'm really happy that we've been able to put you on a double bill together. Me too. Great. Yeah. Well, Rehab, it's been a great pleasure chatting to you. And um, we look forward to hearing your set, which will be broadcast on Thursday, the 22nd of mm -hmm. April. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Rehab. See you next week.